We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart.
time love breathe hope in the night word that made the world now in the sound of newborn cries promised in
At daybreak he entered the temple to teach. All of the crowd sat down at his feet. He spoke with such wisdom as they never heard. With amazement they listened as he taught the word. All of a sudden it burst through the door. A woman was brought and stood near the Lord. The sin she committed was not like the rest. Caught in adultery, the penalty. Lifted his eyes and he spoke to each one. You without sin cast the first stone. In just a few moments, her accusers were gone. With no one around her, she was standing alone. He forgave her her sin and she went on her way. As she ran through the city with joy. was too great. My accusers had gathered. Could this be the day? I cried out to Jesus. He came in my stead. He told my accusers I paid all his debt. Justify Hope you're enjoying songs of praise. Here's some more inspirational music. 
Jesus. 
paradise to see the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music. Free from the law, oh happy condition, Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace has redeemed us once for all. Now we are free, there's no condemnation. Jesus provides a perfect salvation. Come unto me, oh, hear his sweet call. Come and he saves us once for all. Once for all, oh, sinner receiveth. Once for all, oh, daughter believeth. Cling to the cross, your burden will fall. Christ has redeemed us once for all. 
saved us for your own, raised us up unto your throne.
know the old story will never grow old how jesus died to save my soul no the old story will never grow old that story will never grow old i went to the church one lonely night and i sat way back for my soul was not right the preacher was preaching how jesus died for sin filled world he gave up his life oh no the old story will never grow old how jesus died to save my soul oh no the old story will never grow old that story will never grow old i went to the altar and knelt down in prayer i cried lord of mercy and he pardoned me there then he lifted my burden brought peace to my soul what made my life new was that story so old many years have passed by since i met the lord i remember that night when a story was told time has no hold on the message it brings that story is old but it still blesses me oh no the old story will never grow old how jesus died to save my soul oh no the old story will never grow old that story will never grow old that story listening to Songs of Praise. It's our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God.
Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book, The Ministry of Healing by Alan White, provides sound counsel regarding holistic health. It covers all aspects of living that contributes to good health like cheerfulness, fresh air, exercise, diet, and positive relationships with other people, to name a few. Crucial also is a personal relationship with our Creator, who gave us life and everything we need for health and happiness. In this book, Alan White deals with sickness of the soul and the healing balm to be found by trusting God in all things. Written in simple, beautiful language, ministry healing will point to a life full of joy and happiness, a life connected with the source of healing power. Let's join our book reader, Rosalie Ricards. Hello, this is Rosalie and I'm reading from the book Ministry of Healing by Alan White. Continuing chapter 26, Stimulants and Narcotics. Subheading, The Tobacco Habit. Tobacco is a slow, insidious, but most malignant poison. In whatever form it is used, it tells upon the constitution. It is also the more dangerous because its effects are slow and at first hardly perceptible. It excites and then paralyzes the nerves. It weakens and clouds the brain. Often it affects the nerves in a more powerful manner than does intoxicating drink. It is more subtle and its effects are difficult to eradicate from the system. Its use excites a thirst for strong drink and in many cases lays the foundation for the liquor habit. The use of tobacco is inconvenient, expensive, uncleanly, defiling to the user and offensive to others. Its devotees are encountered everywhere. You rarely pass through a crowd, but some smoker puffs his poisoned breath in your face. It is unpleasant and unhealthful to remain in a railway car or in a room where the atmosphere is laden with the fumes of liquor and tobacco. Though men persist in using these poisons themselves, what right have they to defile the air that others must breathe? Among children and youth, the use of tobacco is working untold harm. The unhealthful practices of past generations affect the children and youth of today. Mental inability, physical weakness, disordered nerves and unnatural cravings are transmitted as a legacy for parents to children and the same practices continued by the children are increasing and perpetuating the evil results. To this cause, in no small degree, is owing the physical, mental and moral deterioration which is becoming such a cause of alarm. Boys begin the use of tobacco at a very early age. The habit thus formed when body and mind are especially susceptible to its use undermines the physical strength dwarfs the body, stupefies the mind, and corrupts the morals. 
But what can be done to teach children and youth the evils of a practice of which parents, teachers and ministers set them the example? Little boys hardly emerged from babyhood, may be seen smoking their cigarettes. If one speaks to them about it, they say, well, my father uses tobacco. They point to the minister or the Sunday school superintendent and say, he smokes too. What harm for me to do as he does? Many workers in the temperance cause are addicted to the use of tobacco. What power can such persons have to stay the progress of intemperance? I appeal to those who profess to believe and obey the word of God. Can you as Christians indulge in a habit that is paralyzing your intellect and robbing you of the power rightly to estimate eternal realities? Can you consent daily to rob God of service which is his due and to rob your fellow men both of service you might render and of the power of example? Have you considered your responsibility as God's stewards for the means in your hands? How much of the Lord's money do you spend for tobacco? Reckon upon what you have thus spent during your lifetime. How does the amount consumed by this defiling lust compare with what you have given for the relief of the poor? and the spread of the gospel. No human being needs tobacco, but multitudes are perishing for want of the means that by its use is worse than wasted. Have you not been misappropriating the Lord's goods? Have you not been guilty of robbery toward God and your fellow men? Know you not that you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And then in Proverbs 20, verse 1 and 23, verses 29 to 32, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not you upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his colour in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Never was traced by human hand a more vivid picture of the debasement and slavery of the victim of intoxicating drink. Enthralled, degraded, even when awakened to a sense of his misery, he has no power to break from the sneer. He will seek it yet again. Verse 35 of Proverbs 23. No argument is needed to show the evil effects of intoxicants on the drunkard. The bleared, besotted wrecks of humanity, souls for whom Christ died and over whom angels weep, 
are everywhere. They are a blot on our boasted civilization. They are a shame and a curse and peril of every land. And who can picture the wretchedness, the agony, the despair that are hidden in the drunkard's home? Think of the wife, often delicately reared, sensitive, cultured and refined, linked to one whom drink transforms into a sot or a demon. Think of the children, robbed of home comforts, education and training, living in terror of him who should be their pride and protection. Thrust into the world, bearing the brand of shame, only with the hereditary curse of the drunkard's thirst. Think of the frightful accidents that are every day occurring through the influence of drink. Some official on a railway train neglects to heed a signal or misinterprets an order. On goes the train, there is a collision, and many lives are lost. Or if a ship is run aground and passengers and crew find a watery grave. When the matter is investigated, it is found that someone at an important post was under the influence of drink. To what extent can one indulge the liquor habit and be safely trusted with the lives of human beings? He can be trusted only as he totally abstains. Subheading, the milder intoxicants. Persons who have inherited an appetite for unnatural stimulants should by no means have wine, beer, or cider in their sight or within their reach, for this keeps the temptation constantly before them. Regarding sweet cider as harmless, many have no scruples in purchasing it freely, but it remains sweet for a, sh a short time, then fermentation begins. The sharp taste which it acquires makes it all the more acceptable to many palates and the user is loath to admit that it has become hard or fermented. In 1905, there was a danger to health in the use of even sweet cider as ordinarily produced. If people could see what the microscope reveals in regard to cider, the cider that they buy, few would be willing to drink it. Often those who manufacture cider for the market are not careful as to the condition of the fruit used, and the juice of wormy and decayed apples is expressed. Those who would not think of using the poisonous rotten apples in any other way will drink the cider made from them and call it a luxury. But the microscope shows that even when fresh from the press, this pleasant beverage is wholly unfit for use. The publishers have made a comment on cider, where cider is produced under sanitary conditions using good sound fruit, obviously the objections disappear. Intoxication is just as really produced by wine, beer and cider as by stronger drinks. The use of these drinks awakens the taste for those that are stronger, and thus the liquor habit is established. Moderate drinking is a school in which men are educated for the drunkard's career, 
yet so insidious is the work of these milder stimulants that the highway to drunkenness is entered before the victim suspects his danger. Some who are never considered really drunk are always under the influence of mild intoxicants. They are feverish, unstable in mind, unbalanced. Imagining themselves secure, they go on and on until every barrier is broken down, every principle sacrificed. The strongest resolutions are undermined, the highest considerations are not sufficient to keep the debased appetite under the control of reason. The Bible nowhere sanctions the use of intoxicating wine. The wine that Christ made from water at the marriage feast of Cana was the pure juice of the grape. This is the new wine found in the cluster, of which the scripture says, Destroy it not, for it is a blessing. Isaiah 65 verse 8 It was Christ who in the Old Testament gave the warning to Israel. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 20 verse 1 He himself provided no such beverage. Satan tempts men to indulgence that will becloud reason and benumb the spiritual perceptions. But Christ teaches us to bring the lower nature into subjection. He never places before men that which would be a temptation. His whole life was an example of self-denial. It was to break the power of appetite, and that in the forty days fast in the wilderness, he suffered in our behalf the severest test that humanity could endure. To be continued. Join us again next time when Rosalie Rickards continues reading from the book The Ministry of Healing here on your station, 3ABN Australia Radio. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 65 is a psalm of David and he wrote this for the choir director. And the theme for this psalm is praise God for he saves and cares. We will offer the gift of praise to you, O God, and to you our promises shall be performed. You hear our prayers and all your saints will come to you. I am weak and succumb to sin, but you have a way out for us, covering our sins with your righteousness. Happy are those you choose whom you will draw to yourself, that their lives may be centred in the worship of God. The goodness that comes from you shall satisfy every longing of our hearts. We shall desire to be in your holy temple. You show us your amazing actions, prompted by your righteousness, O God, our Saviour. Those who are scattered around the earth put their trust and hope in you, even those who live in the islands of the seas. You put the mountains where they are because of your infinite strength, for ultimate power is with you. You can calm the thundering sea and make quiet the waves as they break on the shore. Likewise, you can hush the confusion of the people. People who have no knowledge of you still fear your wonders in the sky 
and on the earth, when the morning dawns and the sun settles into the evening, we cannot help but praise you. You see that the earth is dry, so you water it, and shower goodness deep into the soil. The rivers are full of God-sent water, ready to bring forth the grain as you prepare the land for the harvest. Where the ploughman has been, you soften the ridges and moisten the furrows. The land is ready to receive the seed, and quietly the new shoots will spring up. You bring the year to a climax of ripeness, and wherever you have been, there is an abundance of goodness. Your showers awaken the grass in the desert, and the hills are decorated with a garment of green. Flocks are scattered like stars on the pasture. The plains are waving with grain as all nature praises the coming harvest. <laughs> 